Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Last week of January, so let's finish with another strong episode, shall we? But before that, I want to thank you for joining me once again. If you're new here, welcome, and I'm glad that you can join us. If you must know, you can reach us on all the social media at An Immigrant's Life. We also have an email address, animmigrantslife at yahoo.com. If you got something to say or complaint, I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk some shit, shall we? And if you have a minute to spare... I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcast app and give a five-star rating. And that goes with Spotify as well. That's a new thing. I didn't even know that like a few weeks ago, but please, it will really help the podcast. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. Our guest this week is one driven individual. And you could also say a lucky son of a gun because when the heavens granted him opportunities, He took it and ran away with it. You'll find out soon enough. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a business development manager, an adventurer, and a podcaster. The Eagle of Mandaluyong. Everyone, please welcome Lawin Ileto. Yo, Aaron, thanks for having me. I love the, I love the introduction. Oh, thank you. I appreciate this. <laughs> this is, uh, now I'd like to say that it's my signature for the podcast. I like creating this colorful and very descriptive introduction to the guests. And I love when they laugh like you did. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's, an, it's a nice way to set the, the mood for the, for the episode. So thank you. I appreciate it. First of all, before we go anywhere else, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Ain't no problem. So before we move on again, um, do you have anything to promote? Go ahead, my man. Sure. Um, Yeah, so as Aaron mentioned, I also do have my own podcast. It's called Pop Your Cultural Cherry. And I'm uh, it's 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 been like a year since I started it, and I have around thirty episodes, mostly talking about um, you know, life in Europe. So as I'm as I am based in Germany, I talk a lot to other people who are like immigrants in in Europe, or maybe Europeans who have been living outside, and kind of like talk about cultural differences, diversity, um, kind of life hacks in order to better integrate into a society or to a. Di- to a culture. Um, this this season, I'm talking more about Germany. So if any of you guys listening are interested in what it's like um, for an immigrant living in Germany, then do check out my podcast, Pop Your Cultural Cherry. Awesome, awesome. All right. We need to clear up something because in the introduction, I mentioned that you are the eagle of Mandaluyong. Do you care yeah. explain why? Right, right. And actually, I'm going to correct you on this. It's a common... Uh, 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 people don't really notice that uh, a lot of Filipinos also get this wrong. That actually, hawk. Uh, oh yes, you're means right. Hawk, it's hawk, and right? Means eagle, correct? Oh, so okay. I'm actually the hawk of Mandaluyong, if you want to say it that way. But all good, all good, forgiven. Um, you've been living in Canada for a long time, so all is good. Um, yeah. So it literally, my name is a translation of um, 
hawk, the word hawk in English means means lawin in mm. Tagalog. And um, I, I don't know, my, my family has this thing of naming their kids very like Filipino names, which is um, not very common. So I have a very uncommon name. So if you want to look for me online or something, you, you probably won't find any other lawin. Maybe you'll find another one or two other people living in the Philippines with that first name, but mm. it's not a very common name. Yeah, I love it. Like I told you offline, I'm like, yo, that's your name? That's amazing. Because <laughs> it's, like I said, you said we're very colonized and we're very westernized that, you know, it's so rare for me to meet people that are, their names are Tagalog. Right. Is it goes to your cousins too or only your specific family? So basically, my mom and my dad were um, artists. Mm. So this is kind of what they studied. They did fine arts and um, they're very into like Filipino art and, and culture as well. Mm. And they just thought about naming their, well, the kids, especially my dad naming his kids um, uh, with Filipino names. So my other um, siblings from my dad uh, all have this kind of like Filipino names. Mm, that's awesome. Anyways, let's focus on you as a person. <laughs> we mentioned that you're from right. Andaluyong. Did you grow up in Mandaluyong? Yeah, pretty much lived there my whole life until I moved um out here to to Europe. So I um but yeah, pretty much lived in the like metro region of Manila for for my whole pretty much my whole life. Mm. How would you describe your life in the Philippines? Um, I'd say it's pretty to some extent I'd say I was very kind of blessed to to be um, of course, first of all, living in, in, in metro region and also having a house there from my mom's side. Um, mm. To have a house there is very makes it very convenient. I was able to, you know, go to schools also there. So some of the better schools in the country are also located there. You have access to, to like, nice nice malls, if you want to put it like that. You're not too far away from, like, the business districts. Um, so, yeah, I'd say it's... I'd say I, I, I lived a pretty, a pretty good life. I grew up in a pretty good um, neighborhood in Mandaluyong. Mandaluyong is like middle of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but to some extent, also very um, normal. So, you know, I, I had friends in the street. We play basketball on the street. We play basketball in the um, neighborhood leagues during summer. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is my my childhood memories. You know, when you hear ice cream carts coming in the afternoon you go out and and buy ice cream so i'd say um like to live there was very i was very fortunate to live there but at the same time to some extent i also lived a very kind of normal childhood yeah it's, i mean you're not you know like that one percenters probably not probably not yeah but then again if you probably ask what the one percent i'm like well i live normally <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but we didn't live in a super, you know, like a high-end village. Like, mm. the, if you're from a 1%, you'd probably live in a high-end village, drive a, like a fancy car, or have a couple of cars with a driver. So we, mm. didn't, we didn't have that much privilege. But obviously, as I come from the Philippines, I know that I'm also, I also lived a privileged life compared to the average Filipino person. So mm-hmm. I don't want to um, kid myself and think that I'm just an average person. But I was, I was lucky to, be, to grow up in the position that, that I did. I love it. I love that perspective. You mentioned that your mom and dad separated. Did they separate when you were younger? How old were you? Oh, um, I wasn't even one oh. when they separated. So I was like a baby when they decided not to um, live together anymore. So for me, I think growing up, I just 
knew my mom as like my my parent or like mm. as my yeah as like my guide um mm. and it's it's not like i missed having a dad because like i grew up just with her so for me it was like yeah this is for me what was normal it's like you don't miss something that you didn't have you know yeah i i, I see your point yeah i know you said like oh you didn't really miss your dad but i'm sure there were times in your life where like yo I wish I have a dad that could play basketball with me, talk shit to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess when it came to like when I got older and you start like um, trying to figure out women, for example, <laughs> or just growing up. You know, Listen, you don't really I'm have I'm 40 anybody. years old. I'm trying to still figure them out. <laughs> oh, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. But yeah, like, you know, um, I didn't really get any advice um, about that. Mm. Also, when it came to like career, although my dad was also like a painter, so probably he would not have been able to give me any tips on career. But uh, in, in a traditional sense, like, mm. you know, when we think of a dad, an average dad, he like, you know, like you said, he plays basketball with you. Maybe he gives you little tips on how to sway women and uh, and obviously like career advice. So I think, yeah, but you know, that's I ended up here anyway. So I'm pretty, it's OK. Pretty OK. Very Filipino. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I love about Filipinos. They're so resilient. Oh, yeah. You know, growing up in a country that is ravaged with poverty, with typhoons. What, we get like, what, 29 typhoons every year? Yeah, yeah. And the funny thing is it happens. The next day you take you see pictures and they're all smiling. Oh, yeah. I, I remember seeing the, what is it, typhoon last year or maybe two years ago. Mm -hmm. And there was there was a compilation of videos from that typhoon. And you see like... People um, with floating, you know, like they had the plastic, uh, yeah. like a plastic thing with like floating beer bottles and like they're just yeah. drinking during the flood. You see people like on a, on a floating couch, they're like paddling and having fun and people swimming, playing basketball in the floods and during the typhoon. So it's just like crazy shit. But as you said, like a lot of Filipino people are just very resilient people. So they just they just go with it, you know. Mm -hmm. So. I know that you went to school in the Philippines. Right. What? First of all, by the way, this guy went to La Salle University, which is like <laughs> the number one, like uh, well, at least top three, easy top three, top three. university <laughs> in the Philippines. So anyway, what course did you take there? Right. So so um, as I mentioned, I didn't really have any like career advice mm -hmm. when I was like picking what to study. Um, and I and I had heard from other people that it's quite easy nowadays to find a job in marketing. So I took mm. up uh, marketing management in 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 La Salle, and just because I knew like some higher batch people who had done the same and had like good careers, so I was like, okay, then I don't know. I'll just I was looking at the pamphlet and like I don't really know what I want to be, but this sounds like doable. So I did that and and eventually finished it in time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Again, we're talking about it offline. It's just most Filipinos, we don't really look at school and taking courses that we want to do. It's mostly like what can give me money the quickest to help my family. Exactly. Right. And I want to ask you if you ever thought of this, like why so many Filipinos do nursing instead of just be a doctor? Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with like the return on investment to your studies. So mm. a lot of universities in the Philippines are, are private. I'd say majority of people would go to like a private 
school. Of course, there are public universities as well. Some of them harder to get into than others. Um, but in general, I think how 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 parents see it from their perspective is like your reliability to the parents until you're able to um, like have your own source of income. So as you are in 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 college and university, you know you're, you're studying. They're paying for your whatever board and lodging. Maybe they're paying for your food and transportation costs. So um, your reliability to them. So there's a lot of pressure, I think, from the family to finish something quick and, mm-hmm. and give them that um, return on investment, mm-hmm. so to say. Uh, if it's nursing, I think nursing became very popular and is now is becoming more popular again as we see you know, the, the demands of the pandemic from mm-hmm. the healthcare system around the world. So it is uh, a course that is kind of like sure way that you know, you it's not too hard. You can finish it in like I think four, three or four years. I, I think know. so. Yeah, three or four years. You finish it, and you have that possibility. Uh, actually, a big possibility of even getting a job abroad. So, um, mm. I think I think the nursing sector in the Philippines for some time was too competitive. Um, mm. there are just too many people because someone had heard from somebody that you know <laughs> it's easy and you can get abroad. So like everybody was taking it ten years ago or so. Um, and then for a time, it didn't become popular. And then now it's becoming popular. I'm seeing like mm. advertisements on Facebook, sponsored ads from the German government promoting, mm. you know, getting into healthcare and something. And I also see it, um, pictures of Filipino nurses and then advertisement in German. So I think mm. like the future really will be nursing again. Again. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it was like a cycle, right? Like it was nursing and then it became like seaman. Like yeah, mariners, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. what's the second one? Now it's chef. Yeah, chef. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Hospitality chef. Oh, mm-hmm. but now that's gonna have a problem, you know, with the pandemic. Yeah. So now it goes back to nursing. <laughs> <laughs> hey yeah. man, I I I mean, I love it when I go to. There are times that I go to like clinics or hospitals, and I go and like, yo, this is my people. I'm good. Oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. It hasn't. It doesn't happen so often here, but I do know a lot of Filipino nurses in the hospital here. But yeah, I mean, Filipinos are, I'd say, like world renowned for being like good nurses because I think the hospitality um, aspect of things mm. are like culturally innate yeah. in Filipino people. So, you know, we, we, we can handle um, the clients a lot better than, let's say, people from other countries. Yeah, I love that you said that, that you're very hospitable. We take care of each other, you know. Mm. So when you graduated, what kind of jobs did you get in the Philippines? Right. So I think when you graduate from college, you don't really have any like um, like career guidance. I also didn't know what to do. So I finished and I was like, I don't know what to do. So I just went to a job fair. I got a job in, in telecom industry. Um, started working there in, in like product development, which later became like brand management Um yeah, that was my life for six years. So, mm. did you enjoy it? Uh, I like the. There's some parts of the work culture that I like, and now that I look back, um, to what how my work was in the Philippines, I notice a lot of differences compared to like working here in Germany. And some one of the big differences is, is how you um interact with your colleagues. So you treat your colleagues as as friends. You treat your colleagues as buddies. Especially if you join the company at the same time, these guys mm. are kind of like your friends for life. And some of my closest friends are actually people I had the chance to work with. Um, and 
uh, during that time, every lunch we spend together after office, we go for a drink. Mm -hmm. And then until today, we do online gaming together, even though we all live in different parts of the, some of us live in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's that connection you have with your colleagues because you spend so much time in the office, you know, um, you have to also do overtime sometimes. Sometimes you're obliged to attend uh, your boss's uh, dinner or something, <laughs> um, which which would which sounds really absurd in Germany. Like if I tell my my office mates here, like oh, actually before you know, I'd be obliged to like uh, go to my boss's dinner or the his child's dinner or lunch or whatever in the weekend. But like yeah, this is part parties. of the birthday party but that's part of like the the work culture so i had mm -hmm. a really good working relationship with my you know my bosses back in the philippines mm -hmm. i know their families they know my my family they've been to my house i've been to their house but here's yes. kind of unheard of yes, it is unheard of right so yes <laughs> i miss that i miss that <laughs> yeah i miss that too it's like i love that you i love that you say that because you know in the philippines let's say we you and i we start working together in like one company in a day yeah. if we get along we will be best friends in the end of the day for sure i'll know for your sure. last name i know where you live and of tomorrow course. we're going to your house to drink or maybe my house to drink here is like to make friends it's just like yo it takes so much time and effort and in the office it's impossible right also there for me, actually, most of my friends came from my old previous work. Ah, okay. Because that's the easiest for me, right? Like, oh, they're there already. I'm going to try to make a connection, you know? And mm -hmm. I don't know what ethnicity your friends are. Most, most of my friends are, like, like various ethnicity. They're, I have friends from St. Vincent's. There's some from Greece. There's some from whatever else. Right, right. Um, I, I'd say my friends are pretty... Um, diverse as well. So I have friends. I had a, I had a really close friend who just moved out from the U.S. I had friends from China, from Panama, um, Malaysia. Um, mm -hmm. But yes, but the thing is, um, I work for a very German company, and mm -hmm. a lot of German people try to like put a clear distinction between you know work and and their their life. So I'm um, in the office. I I don't I can't really say I have really close friends. Um, we we work well together, but once it's five p.m., like it's done. Like we never, I've never gone out with them after work for drinks. It's just not part of the culture here. Um, sometimes have you ever I try asked to. Yeah, I, I asked. I asked. Sometimes mm -hmm. they already have some plans, or like, oh, you have to book with them like one month in advance because <laughs> they have plans of like cleaning their apartments, or they have plans of whatever, doing a online board game board game night with their friends or something. So. Mm. So I think if you want, it's possible, but they're not spontaneous. Like in the Philippines, like you ask them five minutes before, what are you doing? Like after office, I'm, and he says like, I'm going back home. It's like, no, you're not coming. You're not going home, but you're coming with me and we're going to drink. Like, and then they'll yeah. say, okay. <laughs> it's like, we're so willing to cancel everything. Right. It's it's a term. No, Kaladkarin is the term I'd say in <laughs> Filipino. Like a lot of Filipinos, you literally you can just drag them to your, yeah. like Kaladkad means like to drag. So you can just literally mm. drag people to your yeah, plans yeah. and I, if you I, have I, plans I, I, with with your friends like you can drag someone from your office like i you know you don't know my friends but like let's just you come with me and you just meet them and let's see yeah or or sometimes i'll have plans with my other friends and you'll be like yeah bring them over anyway yeah i'm like oh, okay <laughs> it's not a big deal yeah i want to ask you about something that i 
very fascinated what you when I did some research about you. You said you went backpacking in Asia. Oh yeah, yeah. Where did you go? Yeah, so it actually happened when I finished college, and basically what I did was I was looking for you know maybe a backpacking trip, maybe doing um, like volunteer work, and I found this like student organization that mm. um, facilitates these like volunteer work. So I did this vol- a volunteer work in Vietnam for around mm. three months, where I gave um, talks about like cultural diversity. Basically, I introduced to them the Philippines. Vietnam is kind of a lot of people were still at that time ten years ago very like closed. They didn't really know much about you know outside world. They just knew about Vietnam. So um, I'd come there. It's also good training for them to to hear someone speak in English because mm. they don't use English that much. So I lived with a Vietnamese host family for three months, and uh, my my goal was like to help their son also get his English level higher. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go to different schools, unis, and talk about you know the Philippines and cultural diversity to get them interested in like the topics of cultural diversity. So. Um. Uh, but during that time, doing that volunteer work, I was also doing some some backpacking around Southeast Asia. So, um, at that time, there was already Cebu Pacific, like our our low cost carrier, low cost flights to to Vietnam. So I was able to fly there really cheap. Mm-hmm. I didn't spend much because I lived with the host family; they'd feed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the organization would take me to, like, the work, the volunteer work, and back to the to the um to where I, the host family. And then the money I had gotten from my um, graduation, um, I just used to, to to travel during the weekends or when I had free time. So I was able to to, to go around Vietnam. Almost all of Vietnam I've I've been able to see. Wow. Um yeah and, and a lot of Vietnamese people I even Vietnamese people I meet here they're like, oh man, you've even been to more of Vietnam than I have. Mm-hmm. And I'd say I'd, I've I've seen as much as of the Philippines as I have Vietnam, and mm-hmm. I'm from the Philippines, so it's kind of strange. But yeah, I, fa- I was fascinated by the culture. It's m- my first time to really travel abroad. Um, when I so we didn't I didn't get to, the chance to travel a lot when I was a kid because my mom was always busy or I was busy with school. So that was the first time I really got to travel, and then that experience made me really realize how big the world actually is. Like. The Philippines and Vietnam was where I went and I was like 20, 21, 20, 21. And then I, I just thought to myself, oh, this is only Vietnam. Vietnam is so close. The world is so much bigger. So when I when I started working, um, I made it uh, a goal for myself to travel at least twice a year, maybe because like our, our passport isn't also that powerful <laughs> and I didn't ha- and I didn't have a lot of money, which meant that the only countries that I could really visit are other countries in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. So I made it like a goal to just, you know, go to Cambodia, Laos, Thailand, Malaysia, these kind of countries mm-hmm. every time I had the, the chance. Did you really like backpack, like in the sense of like the European backpacking or you just like go to a hotel and then just, you know, live the life? Sometimes I'd, sometimes I'd backpack, especially when I went to... Especially when I was traveling around Vietnam, I'd stay in hostels. You live in a dorm with 10 people. Some people are whatever. Some people are snoring so loud. Some people are even having sex. Very, very strange experience. And I was like, that's really my first time traveling. And it's like, holy shit, it's like this. And it's the first time I really, you know, meet a lot of like Western people. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you get to meet people from wherever, whatever, Canada or Europe. And it Mm -hmm. was like an eye opener for me. It's like, oh shit, people actually do this. I did it. I did it in Vietnam. And I also did it when I traveled from, uh, 
when I was traveling around Thailand, Malaysia, and Cambodia. No, Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia. So did you learn the language, the Vietnamese language? I could I could only say numbers. So basically, I learned enough for me to buy stuff so that they don't trick me with like a foreigner price because I can look Vietnamese. So I, you know, they thought I'm Vietnamese. They speak to me in Vietnamese. I don't respond to them if I don't understand it, but I tell them like the price I'm willing to pay for certain stuff. Okay, okay, okay. But you live in with the family for three months. They didn't, I guess they spoke English to you. No, actually nobody spoke English except the son. So we just, had like you know sign language <laughs> translating i didn't have a smartphone back then i don't even know how i translated words with him i don't know like just body language i guess books There's books no book? or wait for wait for the sun to come back from school and like oh my god it was hard, hard so yeah. sometimes you were sitting there and they're staring at you you're staring at them <laughs> yeah and one time one time the, the dad got really mad because i went out partying and i went I went home at like 12 or 1 and he had to wake up to like open the door. He got really pissed off at me. But he was swearing at me in Vietnamese and I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> Holy shit, really? Did you ask them that you're going out though? Uh, he never told me. Maybe he told me there was rules, but he told me in Vietnamese. So I didn't know that there were rules. <laughs> Did they not think of like, oh, by the way, make sure he understands, you know, make sure he understands. <laughs> Because when they tell me stuff in Vietnamese, I just nod my head. <laughs> I don't know, like I don't know, it's just like automatic. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing here, man. When somebody's speaking French to me and it's so fast, I'm like, yeah, okay, we, 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 we. Yeah, that's so funny. And then, so how did you end up in Germany? Right. So I, one of the close friends I got in Vietnam was a guy from the Netherlands. Mm. So, um, and at that time, he had visited me already in the Philippines twice. So I said, you know, when I save up enough money from working and I have the time, I'm going to take some time off and visit you in Europe. Mm. So that was around 2016. And then I I decided to to visit Europe for a month and visit my friend. Not not cheap, very yeah, expensive, especially if you're, earning, if you're earning pesos. So that's a lot of money. So it was a lot of money, like also just the visa processing, the flight. I was like, holy shit. Like, How many boxes of pesos did you bring to pay one <laughs> bottle of water? It's a lot. And then you notice that, holy shit, a lot of stuff have value. Like exactly like water. If you go to a restaurant, you can't order. You can't ask for tap water. No one's going to give you tap water here. Um but anyway, so we did a one-month trip around Europe. I went to, I think it was Belgium, the Netherlands, Germany, uh, Czech Republic, and pra- Prague, and then um, in Budapest in Hungary. And I was like really amazed at what I saw, like the culture, how people live, how... how also the, the beauty of the European Union and just being able to... Literally, there are no borders. I can cross... A border and this you'll just see the language change maybe sometimes the currency changes but um there's no border guard there's nothing like you can just you can walk across people are very um uh, international people so when i got back after that one month um i thought to myself how what's the best way for me to get to europe and at the time netherlands was my target because my friend was there okay only because of that. And they speak English. A lot of people speak English in the Netherlands. So that's what makes Netherlands very special. Plus, I had a friend there. Uh, so what I did is I, I, you know, I started Googling, asking around, what's the easiest way for Filipino people to, to reach Europe or the Netherlands? And um, there's actually no 
easy way. <laughs> the easiest way is to actually do your master's there. So there was a European educational, higher educational fair in Manila. Mm-hmm. So that was the first step. I went there. I was like, okay, what what can I afford? How much is a program? Are there scholarships? Um, uh, is there like uh, financial support for foreign students from the Philippines? And there were a couple that said, yeah, we, we do have this. In the Netherlands, I think there were two. A lot of them were willing, okay, yeah, we can kind of wave off a big percentage of your of the tuition. Oh, sweet. Uh, so I was able to to get one of those um, deals. Uh, what I didn't expect was like the living expenses were, were another issue. <laughs> so so did you got accepted, right? Mm-hmm. Who set up the apartments, the living, you know, the living situation? All you? Everything How did me. you know to find the apartment though? Google, man. Luck- luckily enough, like as I mentioned, a lot of people there speak English. Hmm. So I was able to contact places in advance to look for a place. So I, what I did was I looked for an apartment for like a transient home for like a month. Okay. I said, I'll, I'll stay in this transient home for a month. And when I'm there, I'll actually do some actual viewings, like apartment viewings. Hmm. So I did that. I stayed in the transient home. It cost me, I don't know, 450 euros, I think, for a month, which is a lot of money. I was like, holy shit, how am I going to That's like buying a house in the Philippines. Maybe more. <laughs> 450 euros? No, I don't no, know. No. I just made that up. I'm not good with math. <laughs> yeah, but it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money, especially if you're coming from the Philippines and your savings is, is on Philippine peso. Mm-hmm. But I was able to find um, you know, a pretty decent flat in that one month that I had to look. Um, but... There was a time, I think two or two weeks, that I had to live on someone's floor. My <coughs> classmate, I had an Indonesian classmate. She had a big place. And there were like two or three people sleeping on her floor for like a mm. month <laughs> or a couple of wow. weeks. So I was one of those guys. But I was, luckily, I was able to find a place. And I actually found out that um, foreign students, well, foreigners in general, if you pay a high amount for a flat, if, if you're a student you're actually able to um, get a percentage of it back from the Dutch government. Oh, okay. And I had to find um, a part-time job to support myself. So I was like washing dishes on Sundays mm. for a restaurant. I was oh, so washing you're dishes. allowed to get a job? You're allowed to work 10 hours a week to student. So you're washing dishes. What kind of restaurant was it? It was the first one was a, it was a Dutch pub, actually. Mm. It was a pub, so it was easy stuff. So mostly... They're just like glasses and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're washing a lot of glasses and plates. Um, yeah, cleaning, you know, closing up. How was up. that experience? I, it was interesting. I, I mean, it was, it puts you back to, like, it, it pulls you back to, to the surface of earth. Mm-hmm. Um, when you feel like you've achieved something in the Philippines, like, you know, you're working in in a busy, whatever, busy, downtown business district, and then now you have to, like, wash dishes again. Like, it's, <laughs> man, it's a humbling experience, like. Yep, but but it you have to do it to survive. Like I mean, with that with the rent I was paying, and also I wanted to um, kind of travel every now and then, mm. uh, maybe buy some ingredients to make Filipino food mm. at home. Um, so that these stuff are not cheap. So you know, I had to my my money was was just enough to pay for like the tuition and a little bit, and maybe like let's say I don't know six months of me living there, but not more <laughs> than that. So I had to like find a way to to make it i bet man did you ever question your decision of moving to europe around this time no i think i think if you have a clear goal and you know like oh this is something temporary 
then you just accept it. Like, okay, I have to do this because this this will take me to step two. Like, this is step one, but I want to get to step two. And to get to step two, I need to find a way to support myself for the next six months. If not, I live on my friend's floor again. So, you know, you have to kind of think about it. That's, a, that's man, resiliency, man. That's one thing Filipinos have, you know? Again, yeah. You know, I really, I really admire people. Like, sometimes I'll drive around and I'll see, like, a, you know, a woman standing. And, you know... She's Filipina because, you know, I can Filipina. smell them. You know, we have, this, <laughs> we have the same smell, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I wonder how many jobs she's been to or going to while she's standing there to feed the whole goddamn clan. Exactly. But again, I guess she has that, that, she has that goal of like, my goal is to, uh, to feed my whole clan. Therefore, I need to do everything possible. So I think it's all about, about how you set out to achieve a specific goal you have so the, mm-hmm. for me it was it was you know how do i finish my studies and get employment and survive the next few months survive yeah. a winter <laughs> I, I know but again this is like i told you before like i'm my brain is like half filipino half canadian the you know half sure. asian thinking and then half is canadian thinking my canadian thinking is like how about her how about her life how about her happiness Right, right. I get, I get it. Sometimes that's their happiness that to help people, but really, is it really to feed your whole clan? Or maybe sometimes she just wants to, I don't know, paraglide. That's true, man. That's true. That's tough. That's a tough question. Oh, yeah. Like for us, yeah. for most Filipinos, thankfully I don't have that uh, situation. Um, like, Happiness doesn't even mean anything, <laughs> or maybe yeah. they're just hiding it. Yeah, this is sad as well. You know? Now that now that you mention it, I don't I don't know like what like okay I know they have a goal, but I don't know like them themselves. Like what are they actually thinking? Like what mm. do they actually want to do? Is this what they want to do, or they just want to live in the Philippines and not have to think about carrying their whole family on their shoulders? You know. So, yeah, and you know sometimes. She's feeding her siblings' kids or sending them to school, even though her siblings, they're able bodies. Sure, sure. Anyways, th- this is one of my pet themes. Like, stop sending too much money to these people. Just d- be happy. Help. Obviously, help. But you don't have to carry the whole clan. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, that's I, my I, Canadian thinking. Honestly, I, I believe, especially when it comes to the Philippines, I believe that one thing that you should maybe help with is definitely like sending your kids to like like the education of, of the younger generation. I think for me, if, if there was something that I'd spend, spend on like in terms of helping somebody, it would be, it would be that. And obviously like there will be emergencies, hospital bills that mm-hmm. would probably come up that you'd need to help out with. So obviously that's there, but you know, if it, a lot of, a lot of the relatives of OFWs, I know, I know this for a fact because you, you, you see them, you know, they take advantage of the people Their who kindness. are living abroad, the kindness that's given to them. So that yeah. obviously I don't like. That I hate that too. So let's go back to you. You went to do <laughs> masters in the Netherlands. Sure. How was the school yeah. system? How did you find it? Was it more difficult? Was it more challenging? Right, right. So I went to a. The thing is, I went to a business school um, in the Netherlands, and it was, let's say, let's say it like this. It was challenging in a different way. So 
um, I'd say they put a lot of emphasis on research. They put a lot of emphasis in in how you write research papers. So that means that, you know, having um, your sources cited properly, stuff mm. that in the Philippines, like it's also important, but it's not as important as it is here. Here, what's important is um, they want you to, to contribute something to like the academic community. But it might have also been because it was uh, a master's program. But what was nice is um, I studied in a school that's very international. So I had classmates from all over the world, from Africa, from, from Russia, from um, South America, and so on and so forth. So that was really a good experience because you, you get to interact with people from, from everywhere. And that's something that in the Philippines you don't really have the opportunity to do. Like I, you know, I studied in a local I studied. I worked in a local company, so almost all the time my interactions were with were with um, other Filipino people. Yeah, we're very secluded. Right, we are yeah. an island at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. So, how did you end up in Germany? Right. So this is this is a a cool story. So, I finished my masters. I you know I got pretty decent grades. I was still working part time in the restaurant, but. Um, the rest of the time I was using to research companies and to send CVs. So I think I applied for like 100 companies in the <laughs> Netherlands. Um, I think I got, I think I got maybe like five interviews and I was like, oh man, this is tough. It's not that easy. So we, I had a party with a colleague of mine, uh, with a classmate of mine who recently got a job in Amsterdam. So we were out drinking and then while I was in the pub, I think I was peeing, and in the on the toilet there was like a job fair uh, poster no in front way. of me. So imagine, imagine you're peeing and you're like, "Oh, it's a job fair in Germany." So, so I I went to I was like, "Okay, there's a job fair next week." I don't speak German, and it looks like it's an engineering, IT kind of focused job fair. But I'm mm. like, whatever, I don't care. Let's let's go there, um, and see wh- what happens. Um, when I got there, I was like, "Okay, hundred companies." Probably won't find anything. And before I left, like the a company, like next to the exit, they were like looking for a, a yeah business development manager. So I I I approached them like, hey, I saw you guys looking for a business development manager. Do you need to speak German? And they said, no, not really, because you'll actually be replacing a guy from the U.S. So I sent my CV, and then I I think I graduated in October. I I went to that job fair in November. And then I got a job in, I got the okay that okay you're in, in December. But yeah, this is what happened. Like I went to a pub, you know, with your <laughs> That's friends. That's amazing, man. <laughs> go go for a pee and then I got a job. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really big on destiny, but you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Like That's kind of like destined to happen. Maybe, yeah. That's funny, man. So you move from Netherlands, then you move to Germany. Then you have to, like you said, you have to learn German. German, yeah, right. How right. is that? So now I'm, like, there are six levels, I think, of, of that's how the European language system works. So there are six levels. So right now I'm unofficially on the fourth level. Hmm. So it's it's good enough for me to, you know, talk to customer service because most of the time they don't speak English. I go to the doctor, um, talk to the nurses in, in German. When I go out, I speak in German. Uh, my girlfriend is German, so with her parents, I speak um, in German. Okay. Uh, but I still struggle to uh, understand 100% of everything. So I'm still in that level where it's 
I mean, it's it's okay, but I'm still struggling, you know. Hey, fourth level, you're there. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, so if you can say, hey, where's the toilet? Yeah, How much is this yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. You know, you're good. You know, fourth level is pretty decent, dude. I don't need to be this high. Actually, I already reached the level where it's higher than the requirement for me to get um, permanent residency. Mm-hmm. So I think the permanent residency, you need the third level. So I, I'm a bit higher than that now. I just need to get the take the exam. But uh, permanent residency, what's your situation right now? Talking about that. Yeah. I have a I have a work permit, um, and that will yeah. So I have a work permit for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Well, so I'm on my third year now, and on my fifth year, I can apply for um, permanent residency. Oh, so I mean, yeah. I'm gonna say congratulations because I'm gonna, I know you're not gonna yet, crush it. Ho- yeah, yeah. So I just need to take that exam and then wait for the fifth year, and they just need to see that I've been paying my taxes, and then more or less you get it. Mm. Okay, in Quebec, where I live, yeah. French is so important to speak French. Mm-hmm. How important is it for the German government for you to speak German? Do they really emphasize on their language? Of course, of course. Everything, literally everything, man. Everything is in German. Do they judge you if you don't speak German? Yes, especially <laughs> if you lived in the country for a long time and you still don't speak German, they'll judge you. Yeah. They say, like, you speak shit German or something. <laughs> you should say, like, do you see me? Like, I'm not, you know? But that's their expectation. Like, even, but, so, so, even, like, imagine this, huh? And this is one of my pet peeves here in Germany. Uh, you go to the foreign office. Um, you go to the, what's it, like, Department of Foreign Affairs in the Philippines. Mm. You talk to the people there. Some of them don't speak English. Okay. You have to speak German with them. And that's their foreign office. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, so that's how much emphasis there is on the language. Okay. Wow. Is there a lot of Filipinos there in your city? No. No, no, no. Um, there, since the last year, there's more. I think mm. they, they got like 15 to 20 nurses okay. from the Philippines, our yeah. city. Maybe so they, they were live in one and building. they saw the poster too. <laughs> could be, could be, could be. Man. So the first time I met another Filipino in my city, funny, funny enough, was... Actually, when I moved here, I, I found a flat and, and um, I, was, I was moving my stuff. And, you know, my neighbor came. I thought, okay, some Vietnamese guy or some <laughs> Chinese guy speaking to me in German. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. I don't speak German. Like, I'm speaking to him. I, I'm just, like, nodding my head. Like, I don't know what he's saying because I spoke zero German before mm. I came here. So I'm moving my stuff. And then one time, I heard music playing from his flat. So I, I live, I live in, a, in a small building mm-hmm. which had, like, three tenants. And I could hear his music, and I wasn't sure what language it was, but I thought it was, oh, maybe it's like Indonesian. It's like like Indonesian or, or Malaysian guy, mm. um, and, I, and it's not Vietnamese. Mm. Until one day, I saw his mom come, mm. and then when they were speaking to each other, I realized, oh, they're not speaking Tagalog, which is like, you know, what we would speak, but they were mm-hmm. speaking Ilo- Ilocano. Mm-hmm. Wait, how do you know it was Ilocano? Because I, I could I could hear some uh, I could hear some uh, Tagalog words in it like okay. so like I think there are some words in in Ilocano that's like same as Tagalog. So it's like, huh? So I asked her, "Are you guys from the Philippines?" And then they said, "Oh yeah, yeah, we're from we're from uh, Lawag." So it's like, imagine I lived in a building with like three three or four tenants, mm. and one of the guys 
was Filipino. Another and I was like, serendipity, oh my man. God. Oh my God. So me and this guy, we're, we're like bros. And he's like one of my closest friends in the city. That's awesome, man. All right. Making friends. You seemed okay with it. You know, with quote unquote, our people, not with much with the Germans. But how about dating in Europe? Let's talk about that. How challenging was that? Right, right. So, so I, well, first thing I did, because when I left the Philippines at that time, I think I, I was on Tinder for a while. So, you know, I, I went on some dates in the Philippines. Uh, this boy is getting some action. Oh, damn, son. Um, no, <laughs> the, you know, just like normal dates. <laughs> so, oh, okay. so, so that was like in the Philippines. So, so when I came to, to, to Germany, well, I came to the Netherlands, um, I just kept the same account, so I tried. I tried going out on dates here, but I realized that it's a lot harder here. It's a lot more competitive. You cannot use your Lasalista card anymore. <laughs> no, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything here. So, so um, yeah, it was really hard. Like I'd have like one match in whatever in a couple of days. Uh. Uh, most of them were Asian. I went out with a lot of. I I was still I still went out on dates probably like. Every now and then, I'd go out and date mostly Asian girls or like half, half uh, European, half Asian. Um, so that that was my experience. And then, um, yeah, in terms of action, there was not much action, unfortunately, here for me. As mm. I mentioned, like Tinder was very, uh, uh, let's say, competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if based on my experience, like it was easier for me to meet people like. Um, like face to face, like in a pub or in a club, mm-hmm. more than it was like online dating. Yeah, as an Asian, I think I, I as they have. Yeah, I don't know what they, they think they, of Asian guys. I know. I read this like I don't know a few years ago that the least matches on a dating site for men ethnicity are Asian. Right. So I I like what you were saying. I think they have that you know Asian men small dick mentality. Maybe. Maybe. And and I think at that time, like the whole K-pop thing didn't really reach here that much. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that has changed now because I've mm-hmm. been with my girlfriend for a couple of years now. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the landscape is anymore. But, you know, I hear now that with Netflix and all these like Squid Game and all these like K-pop guys, like like a lot of girls here are quite interested in in Asian guys. I don't know hey, if they can tell I'm the sorry, difference between me, Korean and... <laughs> Listen, listen to me, dude. I mean, we're good. We're okay looking dudes, all right? But we're not K-pop, okay? I know, man. I know. You I know. know. Also, by the way, those people, speaking of K-pop, did you know those are slaves? Yeah, they don't have personal lives, right? No, they stay in like a one compound. They're not allowed to assimil- associate with anyone un- unless they're with the group or like in that universe. That's why most of them commit suicides. Shit, man. And unfortunately, they will, they're spitting out these products, these candy products around the world. Like, oh, my God, they're so good looking. They don't even look like that. They were so manufactured. They fixed their nose. They fixed their eyebrows and all this stuff. Like, it's so, I find it so dangerous. Yeah. You know, because like, young kids, especially Philippines, man, they're like, oh, oh my right. God, K-pop, K-pop. Yo, you guys don't know these guys are fake. Right. I'm not saying they're fake personality. I'm saying that it's hard to say because I don't want to judge them because I don't know them, obviously, personally, mm-hmm. and why they did what they did, right? But it's it's hard to say because they're fake. They're putting out this, like, this is what I look like. 
And it's I don't know I don't I don't know what you think about it. Yeah, I think um, I, I agree with you. I don't think a lot of them are like happy with like their personal lives, although they have like the fame, the money. Mm. Um, but yeah, like like you said, it is kind of manufactured. Um, like the whole fame, rise to fame, is is manufactured in a way. But you know, this is what 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 the people like, and maybe maybe the expectations also of like Asian men from like women outside of Asia would be as high as what is being portrayed by K-pop. So I, I'm just thinking this might be like they have like these high expectations that everybody like kind yeah. of looks or behaves behaves like them, you know? I agree with that. That's the danger. So you mentioned that you didn't get much action from Tinder. How did you meet your girlfriend? Yeah, in a, in a pub. So like, as I mentioned, like in a club or in a pub, it's a lot easier. I think people there, you know, they go to socialize. Like in the Philippines, if you go to a club or a pub and you talk to the wrong girl, like you'll get into a fight easily, you know? Yeah. So how was your German then when you met her? Right. And this is the thing, because I met her in the Netherlands, actually. So it was also oh. like serendipitous that I ended up in Germany because I met her in the Netherlands. So she was German, but... But working there, so I j- there was an event in a pub. Mm. Um, you know, I I I went to her and her friend, just spoke to them like the entire night, and then, so yeah, I met her through the pub. I talked to her and her friend, and then we ended up clicking, and then, um, yeah, I think I walked her home that night and got her number, and then that was it. Awesome and happy for you. So when you guys go on dates, who pays for the bill? Oh, in the beginning, I paid all the time. I paid all the time, even okay. though I was a student. And I was like, holy shit, how much money do I need? <laughs> I need I need to ask my boss if I can work some extra hours or something. But um, eventually, you know, I had to admit to her that I wasn't very financially capable and it wasn't sustainable like doing this. Yeah, what, but is that because of your Filipino upbringing or is that German culture is like that? I think in, 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 in the Netherlands, there's a term actually called going Dutch, which means everyone pays for their own stuff. So that's, that's really something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it happens a lot. In Germany, it's a bit more like the Philippines where the guy needs to pay. But also, it also happens sometimes that, you know, you split the bill. But for me, because of my Filipino upbringing and, and also because I thought that it's a very competitive environment... Um, I wanted to like pay for it because like maybe if I don't pay for it and another guy would pay for it, then I lose my chance. So I had this mindset that like this is a competitive environment. I don't want to lose, man. You go all in, like from I the get beginning. it, I get it. Hey, man, I'm all Dutch all day, man. <laughs> but now that we're together, of course, it's like okay, we pay for it. Yeah. Hey, I'm all for equality. If I'm paying for your bills, you should be paying for my bill too, kind of deal, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's that's just me. I'm all for equality. So we talk about this offline too, that we didn't really date Pinais. Is that, well, I mean, I had the choice because there's a lot of Filipinas here. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously on your side, there's not much Filipinas. Do you think if there's a lot of Filipinas, you would have dated a Filipina or you just stay away from them because you know how they can get? I, I like staying away from them, <laughs> to be honest. I've had my fair share of like, um, you know, Filipino relationships and mm. um, a lot of them, because the culture is so, obviously it's the same culture, mm-hmm. everything's the same and I just found it a bit, maybe a bit boring, a bit like you know what to expect mm. um, because it's okay. so similar, You because mm-hmm. you have, you're, you're, you're the same, you're, you're very similar, 
you have like similar type of friends, similar things you watch on TV. I don't know. And then now after dating, like when I came here, like obviously I went on dates with other girls, other Asian girls also. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you meet people from everywhere and you realize that, oh, it's pretty, you know, your life is super interesting. Like you have such a different background that I would not have expected that. So, um, yeah, I like that. So I don't think, yeah, I don't think. I miss dating Filipino girls, and like you said, you know, there, there, there are other, there are other cons. <laughs> yeah, they're very jealous. Not jealous. all of them, obviously. However, it's not really their fault because our culture is very macho, you know, uh, womanizing and all that stuff. So most of them are they have trauma from their exes. Oh my, yeah. my ex or my dad or my, you know. Or my uncle, you know, womanizing. Maybe this guy that I'm with will be womanizing too. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's true. And that's why they like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, men are I mean, the same too, right? Maybe. You know, we're very like, <laughs> most crimes against women in the Philippines are boyfriends or husbands killing. You know what I mean? Like, it's so, it's so bad there. Did you know that there's a law in the Philippines? By the way, you can check this, but I think yeah. this is correct. There's a yeah. law in the Philippines. Let's say you're married, okay? Mm-hmm. Or maybe I think with girlfriend as well. And you come home and you you catch ah. them in bed. Uh-huh. You yeah. can kill them? Yeah. Like you have a certain amount of time to kill these yeah. people and you're going to be yeah, okay? Yeah. Yeah, That's yeah. insane. It's like crime of passion or something. I yeah, heard about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about this, yeah. I'm like, what the hell, dude? You can't do that. It means it happened a lot. That's why they put it there. (laughs) (laughs) You know? I guess it. I get it, man. So anyways, I want to ask you, can you say you have successfully assimilated into the German society? No, not yet. I don't think so. Maybe it will take me a couple more years. I think um, when I'm able to, especially with the language, I think the language is the first part. And second, because of this whole COVID thing, like my experience in Germany is a bit um, clouded. Like it's not like the real, like a normal person's mm-hmm. experience would mm-hmm. be like pre-corona. Mm-hmm. So I think I need to experience it like pre-corona because I was here for a year before corona happened. So I didn't really have enough time to assimilate, you know, like hang out in the in the parks, like play basketball with people as often as I would want to or... I don't know, like do activities where you actually meet other people, other German people, socialize with them. So I think maybe in a couple more years, when after the pandemic, then I can say I'm I'm assimilated. Because there some every now and then there's still times that I get shocked, like like I there's things unexpected would happen that I'm like, oh shit, like this is something that that happens here. So I think when 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 you when you start not seeing when when you're like less caught off guard then i think that's when you're really like assimilated i i I think i like that man so would you still consider retiring in the philippines oh definitely oh definitely (laughs) i think that's the that's the whole challenge in the philippines the challenge in the philippines is how do you become rich and can live a comfortable life there Mm -hmm. So I think we're getting there. Actually, we're there. I want to ask you, you've achieved so many, I mean, incredible things. But what is the thing that you're proudest so far and why? 
Oh, what I'm proudest so far. I think I think I'm I'm most proud of myself for making that decision, committing to actually going here, not mm. coming here. I think that's easy, but like making that decision, like okay, I want to do this, and to do this, I have to sacrifice all my savings. I have to borrow money from my uncle, and I have to work in a restaurant, even though I don't really want to do that anymore. But like putting all of this together and actually just saying, no, I want to, and this is the process. I have to do that in order for me to get here. And just making that decision that I'm, I'm done with working in Makati. I don't want to work in, in Makati anymore because of whatever, for many reasons, maybe the traffic or the, the work culture, you're finished with it. So just, and a lot of people, maybe they have the opportunity, maybe they're even more people who are more well off with me or more um, qualified to get jobs abroad mm. um, could easily do it compared to what I had to go through. But a lot of them, they don't have that um, that drive to kind mm. of like, or that, you know, just say like, I want to do that and I'll drop everything and do it. Awesome. Again, Lawin, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Hey, Ron, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Bye. 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 <laughs> Again, Lawin, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.